What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and we are back with our third episode this week for the third UFC event in one week's time with the UFC Fight Night headlined by Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. We got 11 fights going down from Jacksonville, Florida again. The last event was a great card, had a lot of fun fights on it. We did very well betting on it, gave a lot of good tips on the last card, and Look to continue that streak on this one. Have had three very profitable cards in a row with the bets and picks and everything like that. So look to keep it going with this card. And this card has very close odds on all the fights. Besides the new uh, Giga Chikadze fight, pretty much all of the odds on this are under 2-1. to one, And that means we're going to have a lot of close fights and a lot of these dogs should hit. Uh, I'm thinking about passing on a lot of these fights, but I do like a few betting spots that I will uh, advise throughout the uh, the rest of the podcast. So let's get things started in the heavy weight division we have Dontel Mays taking on Rodrigo Nascimento the opening betting lines for this one was Mays the minus 150 favorite to Nascimento as the plus 130 underdog right now we are looking at a pick'em fight at minus 105 a total coin flip fight and I think that that's pretty accurate although I do slightly lean uh, Nascimento in this one Mays does have UFC experience but I just have really not liked what I've seen from him he spends a lot of time on his back he gets taken down pretty frequently and he's fighting a jiu-jitsu based fighter who has most of his wins by submission but the problem is we just have not seen enough from Nascimento he's only got five minutes of footage he's got really raw striking and we haven't actually seen him land a legit takedown he has two fights that he's won from top position one with ground and pound and one with an arm triangle choke on the contender series but both of those fights were like weird exchanges and the guy fell over they got slipped or something like that he hasn't actually landed a real takedown yet so we have no idea what his wrestling ability is like and we have not seen him fight anybody good the one guy he finished uh was a a total bum who fell over and just got finished right away on the regional scene and even on the contender series the guy had nothing off his back the guy's name was martinek he had nothing off his back had no idea how to get up and just basically got smashed with uh with some ground and pound got passed got mounted and eventually got submitted with a an arm triangle choke so i guess nascimento showed a little bit in that fight but maze has just really shown nothing besides surviving versus uh cyril gain he was dropped and hurt a lot in that fight and just kept toughing it out and eventually did get finished by a heel hook of all things in like the last 15 seconds of the fight but when it comes down to it, I just think the Maze has spent so much time on his back and has very bad ability to get off of his back. I just don't think you could be betting him at this price. I mean, he spent 10 minutes on his back versus Alan Crowder on the Contender Series a few years back. So there's just no way you can bet Maze at minus 105, I believe. I just think there's no value on him. So this is going to be Nascimento or pass for me. I'll go ahead and pick Nascimento because... Uh, he trains at American Top Team. There's some pictures of him training with some very good uh, training partners out there. And, you know, that means a lot. If he's still getting in good rounds with good partners uh, and during this pandemic, I, I, that's a pretty good sign. And I think that he will win by, I guess we'll go with first round submission. But it should be a pretty sloppy, low-level heavyweight fight. I would not do, go too crazy. So it's Nascimento or Pass in this one. The next fight is in the women's flyweight division. We have Courtney Casey taking on Mara Romero Barella. The opening betting line for this one was Casey minus 155, Barella plus 135. Right now we are seeing 
Casey minus 150, Barella plus 140. So not much action coming in either side in this one. Uh, I think Courtney Casey's getting a little more of the action, and I agree with it. Uh, thing to note about this one is Courtney Casey is moving up to 125 in this one. Barella is a natural flyweight and has fought there before, but Casey moving up here on this short notice opportunity. I really favor Casey just because she's the busier fighter. She has much more active striking numbers. Um, I tweeted out something earlier this week that in the past 42 minutes of Barella's cage time, she only landed 74 strikes, which is like under two strikes per minute, and it's a really terrible number. While Casey has landed uh, like 200 strikes in her past 45 minutes worth of cage time, and an average is close to five strikes per minute. So. When this one's on the feet, which I think is where most of the fight will take place, I just favor Casey to be landed way more strikes. Um, it's not like she's technical or anything. I don't think there's a technical advantage for either of these women on the feet. It's, it's ugly stuff from both of them. So in situations like that, I just favor the, the busier and more aggressive fighter, which is Casey. And in the grappling in this one, Barella will be the one looking to land takedowns. Uh, she sometimes does that and has an okay top game like she showed versus Faria. But I think Casey can stuff takedowns and can get off her back. She's had some decent... Uh, uh, guard submissions that she's used to get back to her feet and stuff like that. So I, I don't think that Casey's in too much danger here versus Brella. Although if Brella does win this fight, I do think it is by getting takedowns and maybe using that slight size advantage to uh, get her that top time and win these rounds. Um, so the pick for me is going to be Casey by decision. I think that she has the much better volume throughout the three rounds and wins these rounds. But at this price, uh, I mean... I guess there's some value. I do cap her closer to like 60-65%, but I think this is too low level, and the fact that Casey's moving up is, is worrying me a little bit. So I'm going to just pass on this one overall. Uh, I think it's too a little too unpredictable to bet. So uh, once again, pick is Casey decision, but pass in the betting line. The next fight is in the featherweight division. We have Nate Landwehr taking on Darren Elkins. The opening betting line was Landwehr minus 175 to Elkins plus 150. Since then, the line has flipped. We are now seeing Elkins' favorite minus 120, Landwehr plus 110 underdog. And that's a crazy line movement. I mean, I didn't even know Landwehr opened as that much of a favorite. That's, uh, I'd say, a bit wide just because Landwehr is unproven in the UFC and had kind of a rough UFC debut. I mean, pretty much as rough as you get, get knocked out cold in the first round. But I don't think that he uh, really looked that bad in that fight, honestly. He got taken down early, defended a deep uh, Darce choke from Burns, got back to his feet and just started trading. It was looking good from then on because the biggest threat was Burns' grappling, had not shown anything really in the striking uh, on tape, and then he just landed a crazy knee out of, uh, out of nowhere. So it wasn't that bad of a loss for Landwehr. Despite him getting knocked out, I still have uh, some confidence in him in his UFC career, and I think this is a good matchup here versus Elkins. Mostly because Elkins is really on the decline and he's just been looking worse and worse fight to fight. I don't think that Elkins can hurt Landwehr on the feet much in this one. And I think that Elkins will really struggle to uh, land takedowns and keep top game. I think that's the, the only way Elkins wins is by the grappling. I just do not see any way that uh, he outstrikes Landwehr here. Landwehr is the more physical guy. He has, uh, I think, the better boxing. I think he has more power, definitely more aggressive and higher volume. So... Elkins's chin has been looking really deteriorated too. He was getting dropped by uh, spinning back kicks from 
Hall last fight and was making Hall look like an incredible kickboxer out there, even though he's a total jujitsu guy. And I mean, I, I think we just saw from that fight that Elkins has pretty much nothing left in the tank. And I'm pretty surprised at this line here that so many people are betting him. And I guess they're just, I don't know, fading Landware. But I still like what I've seen from Landware. I mean, I watched probably two hours of this guy fighting M1 Global against really good competition. And I, I know what the guy can do. I think he does uh, fight better in those five round fights when he can uh, drown his opponents late and use his cardio and volume. But uh, I think he'll still get it done in the three round fight here. I think he outstrikes Elkins, avoids getting taken down, and either likely knocks out uh, Elkins or uh, maybe struggles uh, finishing the, the notoriously tough Elkins and uh, goes to the decision in this one. But either way, I would favor Landwehr's volume in all the rounds. And I actually do think he does finish uh, Elkins. I think he just overwhelms him with pressure and volume and gets Elkins to shell up and get finished. So uh, I'm betting Landwehr here. Uh, I think plus money on Landwehr is a great bet. And I think he gets the job done this weekend. The next fight is in the featherweight division. We have Giga Chikadze taking on Erwin Rivera. And this is the fight that just came together in the past 24 hours. Mike Davis pulled out of his fight against Giga Chikadze. And they brought in Erwin Rivera here to replace Mike Davis and to fight Giga Chikadze on about one day's notice. Uh, Rivera is a career-long bantamweight. He fought his entire career at bantamweight. And he did get some nice fourth round finishes in his most recent two fights, uh, showing a little championship experience there. But I mean, I was unimpressed with him in all the tape that I've seen from him. He does have the ability to hit some takedowns. He's shown some wrestling ability, uh, getting a crazy scissor sweep takedown and shooting some double legs. So he definitely has the ability to take the fight to the ground. I just haven't seen a reliable enough wrestling and top position from him to think that he can take down uh, the bigger guy in Chikadze. Chikadze actually looked pretty good in his takedown defense against Jamal Emers, who was a uh, college wrestler. And uh, also versus Brandon Davis. I think he got taken down a few times in that fight, but was able to hit some opportunistic reversals and uh, land the more damaging strikes on the feet in that one. So... I think that's what happens here. I think that uh, Chikadze outstrikes Rivera pretty easily on the feet in this one. Uh, Rivera does not, I mean, he looked pretty comfortable striking on the fights that I saw of him. He's a southpaw, but he just does not have a good enough technique or power. I just don't see anywhere where he's going to be a threat to the much more uh, experienced kickboxer in Chikadze. So Chikadze is going to be hurting Rivera on the feet. I think that he's able to avoid any takedowns or getting stuck on his back, and he probably finishes Rivera here in the later rounds because Rivera's taking this on short notice. So I think Rivera hangs tough to like the second or third round, but then Chikadze gets a late knockout in this one. And the opening betting line, I didn't even mention in this one because it's not on best fight odds right now. I believe Chikadze opened up at minus 265, and there was some uh, some two-way action coming in early, but the heavy action is coming in on Chikadze right now. He's minus 345, and I think that the value has been gone. I think uh, I was able actually to get in on Chikadze at an incredible price at uh, minus 240 um, due to some uh, due to some weird line movement on five dimes earlier today, but that line looks uh, looks to be gone at this point, and Chikadze has got bet down pretty heavily. So. Uh, I would avoid it at this point. I'd say Chikadze wins pretty comfortably, but uh, there's not much value on the line at where it sits now. The next fight is Kevin Holland versus Anthony Hernandez. The opening betting line for this one was 
Holland minus 150 to Hernandez plus 130. And right now we are seeing a pick em, minus 105 for both guys. So the more action coming in on Hernandez in this one. And I think I agree with that line movement. I think that this is going to be a really uh, competitive fight. Should be have some fun exchanges in it, especially on the ground. I think both of these guys prefer to grapple. Although they're definitely not shy of striking on the feet. I think Holland is the better striker in this one by a pretty decent margin. Hernandez is pretty raw on the feet and kind of just uh, charges forward without much defense and kind of just winging, uh, winging offense like he did on the Contender Series. But Hernandez really uh, thrives on the mat, hitting takedowns, getting top position. But um, he had a really close fight with uh, Brendan Allen, who was actually the, the most recent guy to defeat uh, Holland in his last fight. And Hernandez outgrappled uh, Brendan Allen. Uh, had a lot of back and forth exchanges in that one, but definitely spent the majority of that fight on top, hitting takedowns and controlling Allen. Kevin Holland usually gets in really close decisions. His last two fights were fights that really could have gone either way. I think he should have lost to GM3-1, and I do think he deserved the win against Alessio DiCurico. And he's just a really uh, worrisome fighter to bet on because sometimes he lacks initiative. He does not uh, pressure his, his opponents. He does not really look like he wants to win that badly at some times in there. So frustrating fighter to bet on, and that's uh, got to be a, a huge concern here, even though I do think he should be the better striker. Um, I do think he could get taken down. He could get stuck on bottom by Hernandez. After all, Holland was outgrappled by Allen in his last fight. And you hate to do MMA math, but Hernandez did outgrapple Allen as well. So I think that Hernandez does have the ability to hit takedowns here, get on top, uh, and win rounds. But if this fight stays on the feet, if uh, Holland is able to stuff takedowns, I favor him to, to outstrike Hernandez and to win the fight that way. But, I mean, this fight is just going to be razor close, as I mentioned, with a lot of Holland fights. I think that at the, at the coin flip odds here, I don't think there's much value on either guy i think that maybe the guys who came in on hernandez at plus money might have gotten some uh, some good value on that one but i think this fight will end up being uh tied one round apiece going into the third it will be a competitive third round and maybe one guy falls down to his back and spends the last 30 seconds on his back and loses the last round and uh it's going to be really down to the wire in this one i think it does go to the scorecards in this one and I think that uh, Hernandez is going to be my pick just because he shows a little more uh, initiative, a little more aggressiveness. He's going to be the one trying to hit takedowns and get on top while Holland is going to be looking to keeping the fight on the floor or on the feet and uh, trying to outstrike Hernandez there. But I just do not trust Holland's takedown defense enough to stay standing. So I'm going to side with Hernandez to win a decision here. The next fight is in the welterweight division. We have Matt Brown taking on Miguel Baeza. The opening betting line we have Baeza minus 170 as the favorite to Brown the plus 130 underdog. Right now we are seeing Baeza minus 147 to Brown plus 137. And that means the more action is coming in on the veteran map round. And I agree with the line movement here. Uh, although I think two-way action is coming in on it now. I think uh, people have been um, people originally came in on Baeza. He was around um, two to one at one point, and now heavy action is coming on Matt Brown in the past few days. So I think people are uh, starting to realize this is going to be a really close fight. I'm not really impressed with what I've seen from Baeza at all in his contender series fight with Reyna and in his UFC debut against Aldana. Neither of those those guys were that good and uh Baeza did handle them accordingly but I mean he he struggled with Reyna a little bit he got uh rocked with some punches by Reyna and, and struggled in the boxing defense aspect of that fight 
he he really dominated Hector Aldana and had a uh, good leg kicks in that fight and looked good in that one. But Aldana is is really bad, and I think that uh, the Baeza has still have a lot to prove to, before we trust him as a minus one fifty favorite over Matt Brown. Even at minus one fifty, I wouldn't be betting Baeza. I think this is a total dog or pass situation because, I mean, I thought Brown looked pretty decent against uh, Ben Saunders in his comeback fight. He um, got in guard and was in a pretty tight triangle, but had great sub defense and was able to get the fight uh, standing again and was able to do damage on uh, on Saunders standing. Caught some nice kicks and did. Uh, did uh, damage on top position from his own and eventually got a ground and pound finish in round two of that fight so wasn't pretty impressed with brown coming off that long layoff and i think that he has the tools to make this a, a tough gritty fight for baeza baeza is only like eight no i think so he uh is going to be at a huge experience disadvantage versus brown here and i think that uh you know baeza is not only too dangerous in any area i think that uh, he does have good leg kicks and, and decent boxing, but I don't think that'll be uh, much for Brown to overcome. He's he's seen guys tougher than Baeza before, and Baeza's wrestling is nothing to uh, to marvel over. I have not seen anything impressive in terms of his takedowns or his top game to think that he's going to be able to get Brown on the ground. So um, maybe best-case scenario in this one for Baeza is a low-output kickboxing decision, but I think Brown's going to be the aggressor here. I think Brown's going to be landing uh, more strikes in these rounds. And I'm actually going to pick Matt Brown to win this one. I like his value as an underdog. And I think that Brown wins a decision here. So maybe we see some more depth to Baeza's game. And he shows some some impressive skills here. Maybe he attacks the body of Matt Brown that has been uh, notoriously weak throughout his career. And it is possible that Matt Brown's durability is questionable. And we just didn't really see it because he was fighting another decline fighter and Ben Saunders and we could see a, a big athletic difference between Baeza and Brown here and that could lead to uh, Baeza winning this one but uh, I'm going to stick with the veteran Matt Brown and think he thinks he gets it done by decision. The next fight is in the featherweight division we have Song Yudong taking on Marlon Vera. The opening betting line for this one was Yudong minus 175 to Vera plus 150. Right now we are seeing Yudong minus 185 to Vera plus 170. So more action coming in on the favorite Song Yudong's way in this one. And right off the bat, there is some some doubt this fight will happen. Apparently there's like a visa issue, whatever that could possibly mean for Song Yudong. I mean, he's in America, he's weighed in already, and there's some uh, there's some controversy over a visa issue or something. I don't really know what's going on, but it's possible that Uriah Faber replaces him and fights Chito Vera. But I don't think that happens. I mean, if if Song Yudong is not able to fight, I don't think that Uriah Faber is stepping in here. That's such a ridiculous idea, and I can't believe the UFC even entertained it. But that's beside the fact. Um, I, let's just, we'll just break down the matchup as as if it's happening anyway because I do think it'll happen at this point. We haven't heard any cancellation and the fights start in like 18 hours. So let's keep our fingers crossed that the fight happens and uh, we don't analyze it for nothing. So right off the bat, this fight is at 45 when both of these guys are natural 35ers. So uh, we should see them both uh, better hydrated. And I think that could be a big thing for Yadong who actually gassed out in his last fight versus Cody stamina he struggled with the grappling of stamina early got a point deducted and still ended up with a draw and uh, not a loss on his record so that was a pretty um, fortunate fight for Yudong but in Yudong's UFC career before that fight I mean he was looking really good his stand-up was looking uh, 
very impressive. He had a nice knockout over Perez. He outstruck Vince Morales in the first few rounds of that fight. I think he knocked out uh, Arantes and actually outgrappled Arantes in that fight too. So Yudong is very well-rounded, and despite getting taken down and outgrappled by the uh, lifelong wrestler Cody Stammen, his takedown defense in that fight was actually pretty good. He showed very good fundamentals, and he, he's doing the right thing in a lot of situations. He just got chain-wrestled by a great wrestler in Cody Stammen, and Marlon Vera is not that type of wrestler. He maybe can hit an opportunistic takedown or clinch takedown or trip or something like that, but he is not nearly the wrestler of Stammen, so uh, Vera does not uh, have the the ability to hit takedowns on Yadong like Stammen did. So Yadong has a lot less to worry about in this fight. And when it's on the feet in this one, I think Yadong should be counter-punching Vera and land in some hard strikes because I just don't like Vera's boxing defense. He has gotten uh, tagged uh, with some punches by some questionable fighters. He's lost some rounds to some questionable fighters pretty recently. And I just think that on the feet, we're going to see a pretty wide uh, striking discrepancy for Song Yadong. And to prevent that, Vera's going to have to use a lot of kicks. He's going to have to kick the legs of Yudong, limit the movement, and uh, look to light up the body and head with kicks as well. Because I think Vera uh, might be like a longer fighter. He seems like he has pretty long legs, and uh, the, the kicks are going to be a huge uh, factor if Vera wants to win the striking in this one. Um, but I think I trust the, the takedown defense of Song Yudong. I think he avoids getting uh, stuck on his back. And one thing I will say about Yudong's uh, get-ups versus that Cody Stammen fight... Yudong was well aware that Stammen is a wrestler and not a very heavy submission guy and was getting up a little recklessly in that one, giving up his back. And I think that if Vera were to put him in similar spots, Yudong would be in a lot more trouble versus Vera because Vera is much more uh, willing to dive on submissions to get your back to go for an arm bar or something like that. So I think if Yudong gets in some, some close grappling exchanges, he should be careful and he could possibly get caught by a submission versus Vera here. But I'm going to favor the, the takedown defense of Yudong, keep the fight standing, avoid getting stuck on his back or submitted by Vera. And I do think that Yudong wins the striking this one by just having a big boxing advantage. And uh, Vera's defense on the feet is a little worrisome. And I do not think he has the striking tools to outstrike Yudong. So I think it will be a close fight. I think Vera might even win a round. But I'm going to go with Yudong decision as my pick. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Christoph Jocko taking on Eric Anders. This fight opened a pick'em at minus 110. Since then, Jocko has been bet down to minus 142 to Anders plus 132. So more action coming in Jocko's way. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I think that, that this line should be flipped. I think that Anders should be the favorite and Jocko should be the dog. And mostly because of just how bad Jocko has looked lately and don't mistake that win over uh, Alan Amadovsky. That guy is a, is a total white belt off of his back. And Jocko dominated him on the ground in that one like he like he should have. And if you really look at the Marc-Andre Baryut fight, the, the most recent one of Jocko's fight, you really see what I'm talking about. I mean, Jocko looked terrible in that one despite getting the win. Uh, I mean, Joe Rogan at one point even said, he's like, man, Jocko keeps his head straight up, doesn't he? And uh, I think that a, a counter puncher uh, could easily take advantage of that. Now, Anders is not a very potent striker. I'm not impressed with his striking technique or his power. And his output uh, is really his biggest problem. He is extremely low output and tends to get in some uh, some low output decisions that are questionable. I mean, he got lucky winning his last one against uh, Gerald Mishart, in my opinion. 
But uh, I think that Anders can take advantage of that bad boxing defense versus Jocko because Jocko just looks so hittable, and he looks he looks sloppy in the clinch and his striking exchanges. I mean, he's always had problems with composure and gassing out, where he gassed out versus uh, Hall and Tavares and lost those fights uh, by knockout in the third round, I believe. So despite me not being impressed with Anders really, I think that he's the much better fighter than Jocko at this point in their careers and uh, Anders should be more physical, definitely the, the, the stronger and more uh, powerful fighter in there. Uh, Jocko is going to be looking to cage push. I mean, that's really his his bread and butter is cage pushing. He shoots a weak takedown, it doesn't work, and he just pushes you against the cage for like two or three minutes. I mean, that was pretty much where the entire uh, Mark Andre Barut fight took place, and that was voted, I think, one of the worst fights of 2019. So. Uh, I just think that Jocko has been looking worse and worse lately, and I do not think he has any success with wrestling here. I think he gets outstruck in the feet, and I think that his uh, boxing defense is a huge liability for him getting knocked out. But I'm going to pick Anders by decision. I just have not seen enough uh, reliable knockout power or aggression from him to think he will actually get the knockout. I just think he slightly outstrikes Jocko in the numbers and wins a boring, close decision in this one. The next fight is in the featherweight division. We have Edson Barboza taking on Dan Ige. The opening betting line for this one was Barboza the favorite at minus 142, Ige the plus 120 dog. Right now we are seeing Edson minus 135 to Ige plus 125. So two-way action coming in on this fight and this is my favorite fight on the card by far i think it's the most uh the most technical and skilled fight on the card by far too so really looking forward to this one and right off the bat you got to mention that barbosa is dropping down to 145 and i really question this move he's a historic uh, 155er and in the middle of this pandemic, he decides to drop down to 45. He made the weight. He looked pretty good on the scales, if I have to say so. But you, that's not a really a good uh, indicator of how the fight's going to go. I don't like to take too much stock in that. But I just think that this is a really bad matchup for Barbosa, despite the weight. And I think the weight is going to make it even more difficult for him to win. I mean, Edson is a very athletically reliant fighter. He uses a lot of movement and footwork and explosive striking and kind of relies on, on getting hit and being durable. And he looked pretty durable in that last fight versus Felder. But I just think that this move to uh, 145 is going to put all that into question. And you're not going to be able to trust that durability of Barboza that you've been used to at 155. Uh, that only really um, potent knockout artists like Gaethje have been able to, to knock him out. So... It's needless to say, but I do not like this move to 145 for Barboza at all. And not to mention that, but they're giving him Dan Ige, who's on a five-fight win streak at Featherweight over some really good competition. And I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Ige. I think he's improving a lot fight to fight. I think he definitely still has his flaws. I mean, he's kind of accepting the fact that he always loses the second round. I think he acknowledged it in his last post-fight interview, but... He's like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to lose the second round because I'll win the first and third. And he comes out strong. He usually starts to tire a little bit. And then he comes back strong in the third. And he's done that a few times. I think he did it versus Aguilar too. And uh, dropped Aguilar in the first, lost the second, and came back and just uh, was the more physical, aggressive fighter and won the third round. Same thing happened with Bektik. He got taken down in round two of that fight and stuck on bottom and really got outgrappled by Bektik in round two. But you're not going to have to worry about that with Barboza here because Barboza never offensive wrestles. Um, so that's not really a concern here. So 
Ige is going to be looking to pressure. He's going to be looking to cut off the cage versus Barboza, maybe chop down his legs and uh, look to, to outbox him. And I think that he does so with success because Barboza just has you know, terrible footwork, terrible tendencies. And uh, as the guys on heavy hands call up the Barboza gallop, he just constantly does this gallop where he, he struts backwards in this like terrible motion and just doesn't really know what he's doing he's kind of just moving backwards in a circular motion and trying not to get finished so he does that when he runs out of ideas and when he's striking so if Ige is pressuring him and Barbosa starts galloping backwards that means he's lost and that means Ige probably has won the fight and I think Ige is going to mix in takedowns he's going to pressure Barbosa hard and it's possible that um, Barbosa looks better at 145 I think the chances are very slim but it's possible that his power carries down and he's able to kick Ige and uh, keep him on the outside and win this fight uh, by decision, possibly even knock out of his own. I just don't think that he has looked uh, very good lately, and I don't think it's likely that he looks good uh, at 145 against uh, a hard matchup like Ige. So I think that uh, this is a perfect matchup for Ige. I mean, he Barboza folds to pressure fighters, and he really struggles with wrestlers and, and good boxers, and Ige is all of that. And you add in the cardio of Ige that is relentless, and it, it is always there and coming at you hard in round three. I just don't see Barboza winning this fight. I actually don't see how Barboza is the favorite in this fight. I cap Ige as the favorite at amount, at around minus 150, and I think he uh, he gets his probably his best win to date here over Barboza. I think the the betting line in this one is heavily influenced by name value for Barbosa and people not realizing how good Dan Ige is. I I encourage you to watch the Kevin Aguilar fight and the Bechtick fight and and see just how relentless uh, Ige is in rounds one and three of those fights uh, despite him losing round two. But I think we see Ige put on a great performance here, and he, he gets the uh, he could knock out Barboza honestly uh, from just constant pressure, but I think that the decision is more likely here. So I'll pick Ige by decision here. The next fight is the co-main event in the women's strawweight division. We have Claudia Gedalia taking on Angela Hill. The opening betting line for this one was Gedalia minus two ten to Hill plus one eighty. Right now we are seeing Gedalia minus two fifteen to Hill plus one ninety five. So the line is staying just about the same, although there is two-way action coming in on this fight. And big fan of Angela Hill, but I just think this is a very bad matchup for her because I still think Claudia Gedalia has some takedowns in her in her in the early rounds. I think that uh, Gedalia has a massive strength and physicality advantage over Hill. And I just don't see a way that Hill stops the takedown in round one, to be honest. I think that Gedalia is well aware that Hill is the better striker. Gedalia's striking has never really been good, but it's looked especially bad lately. Uh, she got outstruck by Esparza and by Ansarov, although she did pick up a nice decision win over Marcos in her last fight. Uh, she really paced herself well in that fight. Uh, she usually expends a ton of energy in round one and two and then gasses out in round three and lost a few decisions because of that and actually made a pretty good adaptation. So I'll give it to Gedalia. She did... Uh, control her gas tank very well versus Marcos but 
extremely low output decision. She didn't attempt any takedowns in that fight. And I think that that is impossible versus uh, Angela Hill because if the fight stays standing, Gedalia will get pieced up and will get easily outstruck on the numbers by Hill and lose the decision. So I think that Gedalia is going to be looking for the takedown. I think she'll be looking for it early. The game plan is definitely going to be hit, hitting takedowns like Randa Marcos did. I mean, Marcos hit a, a clinch takedown on... Angela Hill and kept her on bottom, kept her on bottom and side control, had heavy top pressure, and then eventually was able to take her back, transition to an armbar, and finish Angela Hill by submission in round one. And I think that um, Gedalia is a much better grappler than Randa Marcos, so that performance was extremely worrisome. And no doubt that Hill has improved a lot since then. She's picked up a ton of victories, has been super active, but she has not fought any good grapplers. And I think that she still will have a lot of the same problems that she faced uh, versus Marcos, sadly. Um, so Angela Hill is my girl. She's made me a lot of money already. I mean, already in 2020, two fights in 2020, and we, we picked her on both of them, and we bet her on both of those fights. But sadly, I'm going to be picking against her here. I think that Gedalia does get it done in round one by submission, but looked a lot bet this one uh, i think this is a pass in terms of uh, a pre-fight bet i wouldn't lay the chalk on gedalia and i don't think there's much value on hill because i think that gedalia will get hill down in the early rounds and it's going to come from the clinch is my prediction angela hill loves to go to the clinch uh she has got uh, great muay thai skills and uh, uses good elbows and knees in the clinch and that's her her go-to defense when someone's kind of rushing at her so gedalia is going to rush at her angela will uh, clinch her up and then gedalia is just going a body locker and just rip her to the ground using her pure strength like she always does. Gedalia doesn't have really high technical takedowns. She just uses her massive strength advantage to just muscle girls to the ground. And that's why she gasses out a lot. And that's really what she did versus Nina Ansaroff. She just muscled her to the ground once or twice in rounds one and two and still lost that decision though. So that could happen here. Look out for a live bet opportunity on Angela Hill because if Gedalia is is not hitting takedowns, live bet Hill. If, uh, if Hill gets taken down, down and gets up live bed hill if gedalia gets takedowns and can't do much with it in round and gets out of round one then you live bed hill i mean this is going to be a great live bet spot if angela hill does not get uh, finished or get severely out grappled in the first few minutes so I would advise in passing on Angela Hill pre-fight because I think we get a better price on her in the live betting window. If you don't have the opportunity to live bet or bet in the middle of rounds like like I do, then uh, lock in your pre-fight action. But I, I would not advise it. And I think the Gedalia round one is going to be the pick. I actually placed a bet of uh, 0.75 units on Gedalia by submission at plus 600 and it has since been bet down to plus 450. So we did get some good value on that. And uh, the pick is going to be Gedalia by submission, although I would definitely be happy to see my girl Angela Hill pull off the upset, and we'll be looking to live bet her uh, if the circumstances are right. So that is going to take us to the main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We, we got Walt Harris taking on Alistair Overeem. The opening betting line for this one was... Harris, the favorite at minus 150 to Overeem plus 130. Right now, we are seeing Harris minus 135 to Overeem plus 125. So, line margins have tightened up. There's two-way action coming in on this fight, and I understand why. It's a really hard fight to predict. I think you got the the youth and the athleticism of Walt Harris versus the uh, the skill and the experience of Alistair Overeem. It's, it's a tough fight because... 
Of course, it's at heavyweight, and that just adds a whole nother list of variables and variability that could be thrown into the fight. You know, knockouts are much more common, um, cardio drop offs are common, and you know, who knows how much these guys are training for this fight. One thing I will no uh, note is that Walt Harris weighed in about 15 pounds heavier than he usually does too so not a good sign from Harris although uh, I'm sure he's been uh, training for this fight for a long time it's been scheduled for the past few months and has been constantly pushed back and back and he's finally getting this fight so I'm sure he'll be prepared although he has not fought in five rounds before and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he looks if the fight does go there but I honestly do not think it goes that long I think these two are destined to finish each other in the first few, three rounds and would be really shocked to see it go to those fourth and fifth rounds I mean Alistair Ophraim has been in several main events and just made it to the fourth and fifth round to the for the first time versus Rosenstrike so I do not see him go into the the fifth round here against a fellow uh, newcomer in five round fights like Walt Harris the reason why I think this fight is so hard to predict is because I can see either guy out striking each other and either guy out grappling each other I think that Overeem is much more technical on the ground I think that he could hit a, a clinch takedown like a trip or something like he hit against Rosenstrike and keep top position and uh, maybe exploit that that uh, weakness off of uh, Walt Harris's back I can see Walt Harris just muscling a takedown or using his athleticism to blast a double leg and put Reem on his back and look to replicate some of the success that Curtis Blades had. And then on the feet in this one, I think that Harris could rush over Reem and just uh, unleash a ton of offense and output at him and maybe touch his chin, maybe hurt him, or just maybe consistently outstrike him. And then I could see Alistair Overeem using his massive technique advantage to maybe use his footwork, clinch up Harris, outstrike him in the clinch, land knees like he did against Olenek he's just gonna have to look to constantly avoid that big barrage of offense from Walt Harris and I see the reason why Harris's favorite is because he needs less to go right for him to win he only needs to land one shot or he only needs to just rush Reem and back him up against the fence and unleash a, a barrage of punches that's all he needs while I think Alistair Overeem he needs to hit a takedown he needs to keep top position he needs to tire Harris out or he needs to to clinch up on the feed and needs to outstrike him over multiple minutes and wear Harris down. You know, a lot more has to go right for Alistair Overeem in this fight. So, in my opinion, it's going to be a pass for me. I don't see myself betting this fight. Uh, my pure pick is going to be Walt Harris by first-round knockout. I, I just see him rushing at Alistair Overeem. Alistair is going to shell up against the fence like he did against uh, Olenek pretty recently. And I think that uh, the barrage of offense from Harris is just going to melt uh, Alistair Overeem. Maybe one or two punches connects on uh, Overeem and he just drops to the ground. I think it's going to be kind of an uneventful stoppage, but uh, I think that Alistair Overeem does fall by the hands of Walt Harris here by knockout in the first round. So not a confident pick at all in this one. I'm kind of going back and forth on who I think is going to win this one, and I realistically could see it going either way. And in terms of the betting window, I think I'm going to say it's dog or pass. I think that Walt Harris by round one knockout, round two knockout might be a good prop to play if you want to bet on Walt Harris. But I think that there's not much value uh, in either side in this one. I'm going to be passing on betting on both of these guys. Although I do understand if you want to play this fight, uh, you might see it more linear than I do. But I think this fight is very complicated and could go a lot of different ways. So I'm not going to be betting this one and definitely would advise not betting too heavy if you choose to do so. So the bets I have locked in so far are Nate Landwehr at plus 110. 
Dan Ige at plus 115. I will be adding more to Dan Ige. Uh, look to go in at and Eric Anders at plus 130. Look to go in at on Brown at plus 140. And we'll probably end up on uh, Nascimento as well in the first fight of the evening in that, that fun low-level heavyweight fight. Um, and then look to live bet Angela Hill again, as I mentioned earlier. This will be a fun card. I think it'll have some good live betting opportunities, but don't be afraid to pass on some of these fights. I think they're very close fights and pretty hard to predict. So that's going to be all for this episode of Martian MMA. It's the third episode in the span of one week. I think we have a week or two off of UFC now before the next one, so it'll give everyone some time to uh, recuperate from this crazy week of UFC that we've had for the past uh, week in these with these three cards. So... Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for uh, sticking with me throughout these three cards. I know it's been a lot of podcasts, but uh, it's been some hard work making them. But I'm glad I grinded out all the episodes. And I uh, hope you all enjoy the card this Saturday night. Peace.